name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. The first four blessings of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount are for those who depend entirely on God, who know that they are in great need of Him. God blesses those who are impoverished and in need of provision, those who sorrow under the weight of the world and need His consolation, those who patiently endure injury and who need His vindication, those who long to serve God free of injustice and need His righteousness. The next three blessings are for those who act out of this sense of great need. God blesses those who temper judgment with mercy, even as they hope that God will do for them. He blesses those who are single-minded in their love for the law of God, not just in word, but in the deeds of an undivided heart. And he blesses those who make peace among those who are at war with each other. The final two blessings are for those who meet with suffering because they depend on God and because they conform their lives to this dependence on God. These are the living images of the suffering Messiah. They are close to the heart of Jesus himself. They are living reminders of Christ crucified. And so Jesus promises to share his own glory with them. These blessings reveal that the eyes of God are always over those who serve him faithfully in this world. He knows each of them. He knows everything they do, both secret and known. And he blesses them, always. Nothing that is done in faithfulness is ever lost. The Sermon on the Mount is difficult, though, because it reveals that the citizens of God's kingdom are those whom the world opposes and those who do not meet with the world's standards of power and success. The citizens of God's kingdom, those who inherit its happiness, those who enter into the happiness of its Lord, are those same people who in this world carry the stigma of need, baffling the world's love of independence. They are innocent, discarded by the world's love of sophistication. They are unyielding for the truth's sake, calling out this world's love of compromise. The blessed of God are never really at home in the world, and they always undermine the world's sense of its own self-sufficiency. They are strangers. They are sojourners. Folks that you want to shuffle along, or folks that you want to discard if they refuse to let alone. But this is not how heaven sees them. St. John's vision of the victorious saints in heaven shows us the destiny of those whom Jesus blesses in his sermon. Those who depend on God, 
those who act with zeal for holiness, those who endure persecution. These are luminous in heaven, and they are a joyful congregation who sits next to Jesus forever. As the elder of heaven tells St. John, these are the ones who have come out of great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in his temple. And the one seated on the throne will shelter them. They will never go hungry or be thirsty again. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any burning heat, because the lamb in the middle of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. For all of their belief and trust, God will make good on his promises to them. The saints gave God their lives, and in return, God gave them their lives back along with everything else. These two visions of the faithful teach us how the church regards those whom we call saints, whom we celebrate today. The saints are those who are the holy ones of God. They are, by their very name, set apart entirely for God. They are those who, in this world, do all that Jesus commands them with a zealous love for him. And they are those who, in the world to come, are arrayed in Jesus' own glory which he gives them as a reward for their faithfulness. To be a saint in the biblical sense means to live a life of integrity in a strong love for God and for neighbor. To be an example, always, of how the grace of God transforms all of life and orients it toward fruition in his kingdom. To be a saint as the church remembers them today is to be someone who, as the prayer book says, finished their course in faith, was a vessel of God's grace in the world, and was a light to the world in their several generations. The scriptures attest to the common calling of all Christians to become saints. It is the destiny of those who have been given new life in baptism, who have been given the spirit in confirmation, who have been given the life of Jesus in Eucharist. It is what we are destined to become and is what we are becoming in the life of the church and the life of prayer. As St. John says, Dear friends, now we are the children of God. And what we will be has not yet been known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves, just as he is pure. And as St. Paul says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. 
And if children, then we are heirs, co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, so that we might also share in his glory. The saints convict us of our temptation to think that compromise with the world is inevitable. The saints confound our desire to be powerful, the desire to trade our innocence for influence in the world. The saints defeat our unbelief and our secret belief, our secret temptation to think that holiness and a life devoted to it is somehow unrealistic or naive. The saints reveal our half-heartedness and show us instead how much God can do with a heart that is fully open to him. The saints make plausible for us the kind of grand faith that we so often relegate just to Bible times. And so the world does all it can to deny the saints, to forget them, to teach us that they are impossible, that they don't really exist. But the same Father who raised Jesus from death into life in the resurrection is the same Father who made his saints to be strong and to rise up as well under torture and brutal death who made them to be generous, even though they were in extreme poverty and homelessness, who made them to be truthful under societal pressure, who made them to be pure in a seductive culture, and who made them to be merciful in vengeful ages like our own. The saints are always the signs of the life of God Confronting the death of the world. The saints are real. The saints pray for us. They challenge us. And they cheer us on. With Christ, the saints intercede for us. Their brethren here in the world. And with Christ, the saints sit on thrones next to Jesus' throne. At the judgment when all things are revealed. And so we, the church, this day celebrate the gift of the holy saints, the ones we know and the ones we don't. And as we pray in the Requiem Liturgy at every funeral, O Lord, give us grace so to follow the example of their steadfastness in thy faith and obedience to thy holy commandments, that at the day of the general resurrection, we, with all those who are, who are of the mystical body of thy Son, may be set on his right hand and hear that his most joyful voice saying, Come, you who are blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.